Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to the September 2021 CTSS Quiz. It's hard to imagine it's September already. What a summer it was. So let's get started. I have 10 terrific cases for you. In this case, the patient has a cough but no fever. So what's the best diagnosis? When you look carefully, you see multiple nodules, and in the MIP imaging, there are literally TNTC nodules present. Now, TB can give you nodules, so can histoplasmosis, less commonly viral pneumonitis. But each of those, the patient would have been sick, surely would have had a fever. And I'm giving you a hint that there's no fever. When you see multiple pulmonary nodules, particularly when they're small, it typically is suggestive of metastatic disease, or you should be considering metastatic disease. And if you ask me what the most common disease to give you multiple tiny nodules, that's papillary thyroid cancer. Renal cell can do it, some other tumors can do it, but thyroid cancer is the classic one, and that's the best answer in this case. The least likely diagnosis for this pancreatic mass is, well, you see a mass in the tail of the pancreas that's really densely calcified. So to me, if I was thinking about this, I would have picked a neuroendocrine tumor. Though typically, they don't calcify that much. Cirrus adenoma can calcify, so it would be in my differential, but it's a bit much. Adenocarcinomas never calcify, or if you see calcification, it's usually a patient with an adenocarcinoma with prior pancreatitis. Spend tumors also calcify, though I've never seen a spend tumor calcify this much, but all rules need to be broken. As George Harrison said, all things must pass. This was a spend tumor. So a very unusual spend tumor. But if you see a pancreatic mass, typically younger patient calcification, you think of spend. But I've seen some patients now in their 40s and 50s and 60s with calcification who also had spend tumors. The most likely diagnosis for this pancreatic mass you see a cystic lesion, well-defined, no septations, no dilated pancreatic duct, no calcifications. That's not the look of an adenocarcinoma. Spend tumors, solitary papillary epithelial neoplasms, they have septations, they could have nodularity, they can have calcifications, that's not good. You can have cystic neuroendocrine tumors, cystic peanuts, but then they always have an enhancing rim. There's no enhancement here. So the best diagnosis is cirrhosis adenoma. Now you're going to say, well, cirrhosis adenomas, typically I see septations or a Swiss cheese appearance, but you have oligocystic cirrhosis adenomas where there's no septations, it's just a cystic lesion. And this was one of those examples. The most likely diagnosis for this pancreatic mass is, well, there's a large mass in the pancreas, has calcifications, and it enhances. At first glance, you wonder, could this be a trick case where I'm gonna show you a duodenal tumor, like a gist tumor? But when you look at everything, it's a pancreatic mass. Adenocarcinomas typically don't calcify, typically are not this large, surely when they're not this large when you don't have dilated common duct, and there's no ductilitation here. Spend tumors can have calcification, can be enhancing, I guess that's a possibility. Cirrhosis adenoma, too solid. There's no real cystic components but necrosis. But you could think about it because of the calcification. But the best diagnosis when I see a large mass enhancing with calcification is a neuroendocrine tumor. And this was a pancreatic neuroendocrine tumor or a peanut. The most likely diagnosis in this case, 
something's going on in the head of the pancreas. The best images are the coronal views. What you see in this case is a dilated common duct, dilated pancreatic duct, but then you see a low density component between the duodenum and the pancreas. And you realize they're scalloping along the duodenum. Autoimmune pancreatitis can give you dilated common duct and pancreatic duct, but it rarely dilates the pancreatic duct. But also it's diffusely enlarged and you can't explain the low density between pancreas and duodenum. This doesn't have the look of adenocarcinoma for the same reason, and it's not a pancreatic abscess. This is the classic diagnosis, the classic appearance of groove pancreatitis. Groove pancreatitis often gets confused with adenocarcinoma. It's really the coronal view that helps you make the diagnosis. I will admit from the axial view, I would be thinking about adenocarcinoma. The most likely diagnosis in this patient with left upper quadrant pain? Well, what you see is a mass, and initially there was a non-contrast scan which looked like a pancreatic mass, but when you gave contrast, you can see the mass is a pseudoaneurysm. Now, pseudoaneurysms often occur in patients with prior pancreatitis. So pancreatitis is not a bad thing to say, but that's not the real diagnosis. You can see neuroendocrine tumors, but you don't see a pseudoaneurysm. This is not a gastric perforation with contrast. This is a pseudoaneurysm. Typically, I would have said a splenic artery pseudoaneurysm. That's the most common pseudoaneurysms in that region. But if you look hard, and maybe if you had more images, it's more obvious. But this was literally coming off the left gastric artery. Just a beautiful pseudoaneurysm. Uh, the cause of this pseudoaneurysm, I never really figured out. The patient had a vague history of prior pancreatitis, and maybe it was a sequela of that. The least likely diagnosis in this case, well, what do I see? I see a mass in the mesentery that's solid, and the vessels are being encased off the SMV and SMA. So the first thing I'm going to think about is a carcinoid tumor. I'll also think about sclerosing mesenteritis, but usually you don't have this desmoplastic reaction, and usually you see calcifications. Truthfully, 70% of carcinoids will calcify, and probably a higher percent of sclerosing mesenteritis. You could think of lymphoma, mesenteric masses, but again, mesenteric masses from lymphoma typically displace rather than invade vessels, but it's a thought. Desmoid tumors can occur in the mesentery, can displace vessels, usually well-defined. And the reason I said the least likely diagnosis is desmoid tumor because it's a bit irregular. It's a tough call. This was a great case. And this actually was sclerosing mesenteritis. I would have picked carcinoid tumor, but at surgery, this was sclerosing mesenteritis. A really great example. The most likely diagnosis in this case, I see a mass in the mesentery. It could be a nodal mass with cystic and solid components. It seems to involve branches of the SMA, but the vessels appear patent. Now you could think about sclerosing mesenteritis, that's a good thought, but often there's calcifications, and hard to explain the cystic component. Carcinoid tumor is a definite possibility, usually it's vascular, solid, but I guess you can see necrotic components. Lymphoma is a good thought, necrotic nodes, particularly in someone who's been treated, and truthfully, all of those are possibilities. This ended up being TB with necrotic nodes on biopsy. Now, TB or MAI can occur in the mesentery. It was more common in HIV patients, particularly MAI. MAI commonly gave you low-density nodes, 
but TB can give you low-density nodes. You can have cold abscesses in the mesentery that can be confused with this as well. So I think it's a very hard case. TB with necrotic nodes was the answer, but if you said lymphoma, I would consider it. Carcinoid, I would consider it. So this is the differential, but I wanted to show this case to make you think about the possibility of atypical appearances, and TB is one of those processes, and this was a wonderful case. The most likely diagnosis in this 30-year-old female, I see a liver mass, it's vascular and homogeneous. It's not as vascular as the aorta, and you can see a vessel going centrally. Hepatoma tends to be more irregular, though we can see sometimes homogeneous enhancement, but then you would say you would expect to see a patient having cirrhotic liver. There's no cirrhosis here, and the vessels look too good. Hepatic adenoma is a possibility, though usually it's not so homogeneous, but a 30-year-old female, I would always consider hepatic adenoma, and this surely does not have the appearance of hemangioma, where you typically have peripheral puddling and filling in over time. The most likely diagnosis is FNH. More common in women, 30-ish is a good age, homogeneous enhancement, central scar, central feeding vessel, and is typically only as bright as the IVC and never as bright as the aorta. Hepatic adenomas, because they're often pre-malignant, are often brighter and more irregular in an enhancement. The most likely diagnosis in this patient with back pain is there's an aneurysm of the aorta, but it's ugly, it's irregular. And when you look at the sagittal view, there's involvement of the spine. It looks like osteomyelitis. Now, at first glance, you say osteomyelitis is the answer, but that doesn't explain the aorta. Vasculitis is a thought, maybe a vasculitis and secondary involvement of the spine. A simple aortic aneurysm is just not enough of a diagnosis. When you see a large lobulated aneurysm and you see bony involvement, you got to think about a mycotic aneurysm. And this is a beautiful example of a mycotic aneurysm. Bony involvement, irregular aorta, something looks like it's ready to rupture, inflammation around the aorta, just a beautiful example. Well, that's the end of our quiz. I hope you enjoyed the 10 cases. I hope you found them interesting. I hope you found them challenging. I hope it made you think. And with that, we look forward to seeing you next month. Have a great day. If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the CTSS YouTube channel. You can also visit us at ctss.com for even more videos, plus quizzes, pearls, protocols, and oh so much more. We're also in the App Store and have well over a dozen apps for iPhone and iPad, all completely free. Thanks for watching.